This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest. Jess Hodgson is the Chief Client Officer at TP Group, a network of specialist agencies across voice, performance, and digital who are creating some truly exceptional results for their clients. Clients include the likes of Audible, Experian, and Go Compare, just to name a few. We have a deep conversation about the unique mix of agencies that they have within the group and the value that it adds to their clients. We talk about what clients' expectations are and how they've changed as a result of COVID-19. If you're interested in such things as what makes a great client services person, the role of account management, what goes into a world-class pitch for clients, and her perspective on diversity and inclusion, we talk about the role of gender uh, specifically and the challenges that women have navigating their careers in the marketing industry. If you're interested in any of that stuff, then you will find this conversation to be absolutely fascinating. So without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Jess Hodgson. Jess Hodgson is the Chief Client Officer at TP Group. They are a network of specialist agencies with a shared ambition to shape the future. Their family of agencies currently include Roast, Kitty and Rabbit and Pork. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Jess Hodgson, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Super excited to have you on the show. I know we've had this in the diary for quite some time. Me too. Let's start with your background before we get into the specifics of the agency. You you went to St. Martin's College of Art and Design and you got a fine art degree. Did you expect to be working with agencies when you were at university studying fine art? No, it would be the short answer. I don't think I even knew that agencies even existed when I, when I first got to university. Ironically, uh, my dad and stepmom both have worked in advertising for quite a long period of time, but for whatever reason, we hadn't discussed how... Uh, agencies worked and what they were so no the, the fine art course was very much a, a practical creative studio course I think by the time I finished I um, was much more interested in the theoretical side of it and the kind of business of marketing the arts I guess is kind of the, the interest area that I wanted to get into so when I left university I ended up working for an arts e-commerce company that sold and kind of scouted for different artists that kind of got into digital that way but no St Martin's did not set me up for a <laughs> digital agency career <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> so so tell us a little bit more about TP Group which agencies are part of the group we mentioned three of them at the top of the show how are you structured tell us a little bit more about the agency. So Roast is the founding agency of the group so when I first joined the business in 2017 Roast has been going for a couple of years by that point Rose was first set up as a predominantly search to start off with, but ultimately in, in the end, a performance marketing agency. From there, we, we were getting a lot of requests from clients for, I guess, content production, asset production to go alongside search activities. So, for example, we would be creating landing page assets or content pieces for clients to kind of you know excel or kind of accelerate our search strategy. So off the back of that, we created Kitty. So Kitty is a web design development agency, so they will have projects that are standalone, web build, design, but will also do landing page production and kind of in partnership with Roast. Rabbit and Pork also came out of Roast as well. So Rabbit and Pork was founded by our ex-head of SEO at Roast, uh, John Campbell. It started predominantly when we were looking at voice search ranking reports and how the organic search results were triggering responses on Google Home. 
so we created a standalone um, agency voice experience agency which is what rabbit and pork is now very broad variety of things that we can do inside of rabbit and pork it's not just the case of us looking at the search results and seeing how they prompt voice responses it's more about conversational design and kind of creating specific apps for brands that can kind of help their customers talk to them directly and there are a lot of different use cases for that hmm, really interesting so tell us who who your typical clients are what what problems do you solve for them presumably the three different agencies were born out of problems that clients had and you created agencies and sort of service offerings you know to sort of solve those problems talk a little bit more about who your typical clients are what problems they have and how do your agencies help solve those problems so our clients range a fair amount we work with a lot of really exciting brands we tend to work with a client predominantly when we first started in financial services tech and b2b and we were, we were kind of solving quite specific business challenges within the marketing ecosystem as we develop those relationships with clients, you know, we, and we have very, very good personal and professional relationships with our clients, we were finding they were coming to us saying that we've got a very specific issue at this point in our business or in this point of the year. Obviously, when the pandemic hit, we had to be quite flexible with how we were working with some of our clients. You know, it wasn't a case of, you know, us tying clients into, into media spend when, you know, there wasn't, you know, everyone was addressing their budgets and how they should allocate them across channels. So we do work quite flexibly with clients on channel planning and I think that comes with ultimately the kind of media planning and strategy first before or channel planning first before they say look we specifically want to talk to you about SEO or we just want to talk to you about voice. One of the interesting things that happened in the pandemic around the voice side of the business was brands coming to us saying that they had issues with customer services and were needing to automate um, parts of that journey for customers because you know the customer services call centers and the teams uh, were inundated with questions and issues you know for example can I travel to this country given the pandemic situation? Can I get insurance for this travel to this country? Uh, how is my policy updated since, since the pandemic? So Rabbit and Port team worked very hard with a number of brands to kind of create a kind of conversational design that means that, that customers could speak to their Google Home or their Alexa and get those responses without having to be entered into a call, a call center system. So that's quite mm. an interesting example of how we've been, we've adapted for the clients that we have particularly in the last few years. Let's talk a little bit about your your role in, in more detail because you head up client engagement for the group. And I'm glad that I've got you on the show, actually, because we're hiring a very senior account person soon, a, a pretty significant role for us. So I'm, I'm interested to hear your take on, I guess, the, the main skill sets and abilities that are needed to be successful being an effective account handler but specifically as it relates to your role you know what what does a client engagement manager do for the group what are your responsibilities and what are the most challenging parts of the role that few people actually understand so my role is essentially heading up um, like you said client engagement and that involves having a team of account directors who ultimately lead um, lead what we call client pods within the business so they'll have x amount of clients will sit in the pod and they'll they'll kind of manage the team to coordinate the delivery for a client. In terms of what makes those people good and why we have to have those roles in the business is because the number one role from my perspective of, you know, a person who works in client services or client engagements is ultimately to, you know, ensure excellent delivery of the work that the client is paying us for, but also to protect the agency. It's very much a dual role and I've worked in client services for a while and I think you do very much stand in the doorway between the client's office and the agency's office. And I think the, the important 
trait that a person has to have if they're going to do that role is to be, um, you know, everyone talks about, you know, emotional intelligence, but it's also being able to understand different perspectives and finding the best solution between them, I think. Mm. I don't think many clients actually want agencies to be servile to them. So actually the term client services may itself be outdated. Maybe it's more kind of like client, yeah, like you said, client success is, is a, obviously a more widely used term in, you know, SaaS, for example. But I think the important traits of, it, of an individual is to be able to be balanced, to remain transparent and also to, to not be scared of feedback. I, I was listening to a, a podcast the other day because um, a guy called Paul Carroll has written, written a really good book called Connecting with Clients. And we were talking about not being afraid to, you know, generate the feedback and also the important thing is to for the type of person to not be scared to go to the client and say we need this of you you know you 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 have a responsibility back to us the business you know to help us drive success on your behalf so it's being able to be open and kind of Mm. take all the component parts to make the whole relationship work Mm. really interesting and and how do you test for that i mean this is a personal personal question Mm. we're getting a bit too deep into, into consultancy for me, but h- how do you test for that when looking for a senior account director? I mean, many people will be able to sell themselves in a job really well and say that they can do that and have emotional intelligence and are able to push mm-hmm. back and be uh, a mirror to the client. How do you know whether or not this person that you're sitting in front of has those skills and abilities? How do you how do you test for that when you're hiring? Slightly less relevant to you, we're mostly virtual at the moment. But before, one of the things, the first thing we've done would have been the reception test. So with the uh, how does how does this person interact with someone who's actually physically walking into the interview? It's the same okay. as if you go, it's same as if you go to a restaurant, and you see someone engage with the waiter. Mm. Like you know how do, how do they how do they treat people in different environments? I think you can get quite a good gauge mm. on somebody from like like that. And I think we've had um, you know our office managers and our front of house in the agency staff kind of been like no I don't like that person or that person was great the reception test Lovely. <laughs> yeah but then obviously, <laughs> and obviously by the time they're actually in the interview what we'll tend to ask them after at least a, a preliminary chat with myself and another member of the team will be them to discuss how they would approach onboarding a new client because if they mm-hmm. can understand the component parts of what it takes to build a successful relationship and they've obviously demonstrated that they're a measured considered person but they're also aware of the different needs on both sides is the important mm. one you know if, if they're coming at it very much from the agency's only perspective and say look this is our you know commercial agreement or our scope of work and you know we need you to do x y and z thing that's not necessarily the best approach and i think you know i think onboarding client is such a um important period and they always say that you start to lose the client as soon as they sign the contract and i think setting mm. yourself up for success is, is really important i think and a good account person would always kind of be cognizant of that point. Um, the other point is also is, is how they deal with conflict. Obviously, and we're actually very lucky. We have very, very few instances where we have those types of issues in our agency. But I think another one is if they're able to answer difficult questions and remain balanced. I think, as I was saying before, and being able to be balanced on both sides and you know, not be scared to you know, go away and have a think about something and then come back and provide a solution because ultimately our you know, account directors and our account teams are the cold face of, of the business you know it, 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 mm. it's easy for me you know, myself or our group managing director or our ceo to come and join a conversation but our account leads are, are the are the kind of ultimate relationship owner so they have to be comfortable with it, that type of conversation great great insights there i've taken a boatload of notes and i'll be coming back to you uh, separately um, <laughs> on another note for more information let's let's talk about 
sales and, and new business because you've been involved in a ton of, of pitches mm-hmm. for clients. What what goes into creating a world-class pitch for a client? And what are you hearing that clients are asking for more now in, in pitches? I think one of our you know, CEO's mantras that he's, he reminds us of is people won't necessarily always remember what you say. They will remember how, they, how you made them feel. And yeah. obviously there are other parts to a pitch, but that's, that's the first one. Ultimately, can this agency, can I build an agency with this agency? Are they going to, am I going to enjoy working with them? Are they going to, um, are they going to have my back and be on my side and help me represent them inside my own, inside the client's own business? I think that's, that's the important point. So kind of a pitch is, you know, is, is a, it's a very small period of time, but it's a huge amount of time before and after that you, in which you actually win the pitch. And I think that's a really important consideration point, relationship building before you even step into the pitch, asking the right questions of the team, of the client team in terms of the specifics of what they're looking for, doing your due diligence around the personnel that are going to be in the meeting. You know, we have different, you know, we have some pitches where we'll be pitching to, you know, the marketing manager and the head of marketing, whereas we'll have other pitches where we'll be pitching to the CTO and CEO or someone for procurement as well. And finding the right mix between the client team and the agency team is, is a really important point before you've even stepped into the meeting. Obviously, virtually um, in the pandemic, it's been quite difficult to do the kind of normal rhetoric that you would have before you were you went into a pitch when you would usually be walking from the client office doorway or into the meeting room sure so creating that kind of energy and excitement before before the pitch is, is very important there's other ways the ways you can do that such as you know sharing information with the team beforehand about what the, what they should be expecting giving them profiles of the agency teams so they kind of know who's going to be who's going to be there and who's going to be their kind of um they're kind of go-to person for a specific question. All, all that stuff is very important. But ultimately, when you get into the pitch, it's going beyond the brief. I think we've had you know, many conversations with clients. You know, we, we, we briefed you on A. We want to see A, but we also want to see B, C, and D. You know, we want to know that we can come to you and you can deliver on our core requirement, that you've got the capability and the creativity around it to help us develop on from this brief, you know, because briefs change over time you know the brief of two years ago is not going to be the same as it is now but you still may be working with the same agency hmm. really interesting when when it's been close when it's come down to you and another agency and it's, there's very little between you what do you think has made the difference as to why the client has gone with tp group as opposed to another agency when it comes down to the you know the final two often we do find it comes down to you know cultural fit i mean you know, there's a lot, there's a, there's a huge amount of agencies out there. There's a huge amount of talent out there at loads of different agencies. You know, we look at our competitive set and we know there's, you know, some fantastic people working there. So, you know, we can't be arrogant when we walk into pitches against those companies because we know we're going to have to really stand out. And oftentimes it will be cultural fit. You know, are, are we the right size of business for them? Have we got the right team? You know, do we need to introduce them to more people within the agencies so they know exactly who they're going to be working with? And that's often... Of usually the kind of core component because we because of our age and our size we do find ourselves coming up, up against a range of different agencies you know we can step into a pitch process with some very large digital agencies but also with a number of very small like in like indie digital shops it may be like 10 people mm-hmm. so it really depends on you know who else is kind of in in the running at that point but yeah usually it'll come down to the cultural cultural mm-hmm. fit Really interesting. And the second part of the question is, have you noticed a change in what clients are asking for now in pitches and 
presentations prior to, you know, before we went into lockdown versus kind of this new world that we're in where people are, I guess, reimagining what's possible for their businesses, really. And I think we've all gone through a little bit of a um, reawakening as to kind of, uh, you know, we're all able to look at our businesses and our lives very differently mm-hmm. now, I think. Have you have you noticed a change in what clients are looking for, or asking for from you and, and from agencies in general? Yeah, I mean, it's still kind of core components. We also have people that will come to us specifically briefing us on on providing a search strategy. That, that hasn't changed. I think one of the things that perhaps has changed is the breadth of different clients that are coming to us and they're, and why they're, they've, they're coming to us. You know, we've recently started working with a cryptocurrency company, a cryptocurrency trading platform. Yeah. And, um, you know, their needs was quite specific given, you know, everything that's happened with crypto this year and it's, you know, uh, cryptocurrency platforms haven't necessarily worked with digital agencies in the kind of scope they have been before. They've been working kind of very specialist cryptocurrency businesses and they're actually kind of looking for more of a broader digital strategy as, you know, this uh, crypto, for example, is a more publicly kind of discussed option for investment. And with the other ones we've had, we've had um, companies that have really excelled through the pandemic. So, for example, a lot of businesses that went uh, D2C, for example, so a lot of uh, beauty, um, you know, alcohol companies, companies that really pivoted very quickly in, at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, they, they set themselves up really well with regards to, you know, updating their websites and hiring the right people internally. But now they're kind of, you know, they're looking to come out of this situation. They're kind of ready to take the next step on. And I think that's a, a constant that we see with our with clients that come to us. They, they've got themselves to a certain stage, either on their own or with a smaller business, and they come to us to kind of springboard them off mm. from that point. And that's, that's usually the type of brief that we have. Mm. You know, we, we were here 18 months ago. Now we really need to need to kick on so we work, we actually want some really exciting clients because of receiving briefs like that mm, really interesting last question before we ask our favorite questions that we ask all of our guests towards the end of the show which i'm super excited about a question about diversity in the workplace mm-hmm. even though we've seen a huge amount of progress in recent years on representation of, of women and minorities in the, in the workplace it's still sadly lacking mm-hmm. at, at, at the very highest levels there's been a lot of focus on ethnic diversity in the last 12, 15 months mm-hmm. or so. There's been a huge focus on gender diversity as well and, and other ethnic groups. Talk a little bit about what more could be done, what more should be done, and, and your own perspectives on, on sort of the last 12, 13 months and, and the debate on both race and, and, and mm-hmm. gender. I think it's really interesting. This I've actually that an article just came out in um campaign this morning on, on this topic. I think there has been progress and I think that many people in the industry would agree there has been some progress, but I think one of the things is we we can't just have one or a couple of conversations around these points. These have to be ongoing conversations. And I think where you know we may have opened up a couple of conversation pieces. I think if you if you look at some of the leaders at other businesses, whether they're talking about you know, black representation in marketing or uh, gender roles you know, within like, you know, leadership teams or agencies. But I think there's still much more conversation to be done. I think I was reading an article by Trevor Robinson this morning and he was saying you know, he didn't want to, he used to be scared to be perceived as the angry black man at the table, you know, and it's, you know, from my perspective to be seen, you know, there is sometimes still, I think, a little bit of a, a feeling that you will be perceived as you know the, the angry woman at the table or you know she's you know marching mm. on, on a feminist drum and I don't think I sort of think that's where it where it needs to be because I think we need to have 
honest really really transparent conversations about about this at a table with everybody together and we've had a number of conversations about this internally be it with regards to ethnicity or gender and i think it's one of the things we've all agreed on that it's just not what it's not one conversation we have to have ongoing initiatives it sounds like a really business <laughs> business jargon word but we have to have you know a, an open rhetoric and actions of how we can you know improve on this point i think one of the things i've been in the article earlier is also about accountability actually making people accountable for keeping this conversation alive being you know having you know people inside the business that are responsible for keeping the conversation open or there's been really things that have, have come up in the last year because of you know some of the conversations that happened early last year with like like brim for example i think it's a really great initiative but you know there's um there's still more there's always more and i think there are some really good obviously gender or, or women's uh, focused groups that you can join but until, until it's in my opinion until it's like it's just like deeply ingrained within the business and people are actually held accountable to it i think we're still going to keep having mm. to kind of slowly chip away at this um that this conversation mm. isn't really a going to generate real action across the industry mm. really well said thank you very much for for sharing that. Let's get into our favourite questions. These are the questions that I ask all of my guests. I, I know I don't have you for a huge amount of time, but <laughs> let's see how many of these we can get through. Almost like who is the person behind the brand sort of question. <laughs> okay. Tell us, tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from the experience. Oh, I would love to say I've never failed. It's always... It's <laughs> you and me both. We would be the only two in yeah. the world. I think it's, it's like I was saying before, where I think I've failed in the past, and I think I hope I'm not the only person that's done this. I think it's very easy for agencies to shy away from difficult conversations with clients. And I think, you know, people, you know, we still have situations where we'll, we'll still be shocked when a client says they don't want to work with us. It's like being broken up with you. Like, but why? I thought we had a fantastic relationship. I didn't, I thought we were, I thought we were really happy together. And they're like, oh, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not you. It's, it's me. Not you, I think, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the, um, I think where I failed is being scared to get feedback, honest mm. feedback from clients. It's, it's a very difficult thing to do. A difficult thing to kind of establish with a client. You have to, open yourself yeah, up. Yeah, open yourself it's up. You have, to, you have to have already had a very good relationship with the client. And also from, mm. from the client's perspective, for them to have, you know, me turn around them and say, so what could we do better? Tell me what we could do better is it puts them on the spot and then makes them feel uncomfortable. So you, in their instance, they could potentially, you know, default to a negative almost because you feel like someone coming to you and asking for feedback is always going to be feedback on improvement areas. I think where mm. I have failed and where I think, you know, I'm sure many others have failed is to, and not be completely open to a completely balanced conversation about how how to improve. You know, we have we're really lucky. I think our client, I would say this, but our client service team, I believe, are very good. They have great relationships with their clients. This isn't really an issue that we really come up against. But I think definitely where I failed in my in my early years of client service is, is to be scared to to really hear that feedback and have it be either be negative and it be a reflection on the agency or be negative and be a reflection on myself. And now you have to mm. kind of remove the ego from the situation. Really interesting. Tell us about some of your early mentors. Who has influenced the way that you think about client services, agency growth? Yeah, all of the stuff that we've just talked about. So my very, very first job when I was straight out of uh, university, I was working for a fantastic woman who had come from some very large Canadian agencies, well, international agencies. She'd worked at TBWA and Shale, and she'd started this business 
as a kind of you know a, a different route for her but she she was such a strong woman and you know, she and she you know she really had she really set a direction and she could tell she really had this ambition for the business and you kind of even though you didn't necessarily always have to agree with her you felt that she 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 knew where she was driving the boat she knew where she wanted to get to i think that was a really good kind of introduction to how to work in you know a small business or an independent business and you have to be you know one you have to be, have to do many things across the board but also be able to take a step out and look at the whole picture and say is this working and then pull everyone into the right direction if it's not i guess more from a kind of client services perspective i think you know we've worked with some really great people in our agency that come into the client services team and they sadly left us or they're still with us. And I think I, was, I remember being in a meeting with our chief, our old chief client officer. Um, and you could just tell that he just had control over the room. It was really weird. It's like, you could, it's like you could, I don't know how, um, how I picked up on it. And obviously it was very clear that he was acting, like I was saying before, as very much a balance, you know, protecting the agency, but also protecting the client. And I think that's something that you, you don't right. you have a natural inclination to do that but it's obviously something that he'd um established over a few years of working within client services and very sure. much a very very good account account man for sure mm. and i've had also i've had um you know mentors from other businesses as well and i think like mentoring programs i think are actually really really important to have a, a perspective outside of yourselves if you're just looking at yourself the whole time then you're not really yeah. going to develop so you know i've had one of my mentors is CEO of a fantastic creative agency and I've had um, another one who is a VP at a very large digital performance agency. So having different mentors that kind of come from different perspectives and then kind of adding it all together is kind of the best approach for me, for sure. Really interesting. The book's question, uh, our <laughs> favourite question, my favourite question. Tell us about some of your favourite books. They can be fiction, non-fiction, whatever. <laughs> I'd love to say something really highbrow like War and Peace <laughs> or, <laughs> or, or Anna Karenina. What have I been reading right. recently? recently. <laughs> I mean, I know I know a lot of people read um, Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Everisto. That was I thought that was really good, and there, there was obviously a, a huge amount of push for publications from you know from black writers in the early pandemic. There was loads of you know really good stuff being released or re-released and yeah. stuff like that. So that was that was a fantastic book. I also I, my my book collection. I've just moved house. My book collection tends to be made up of four core books. One is art books, obviously. So I've got coffee table books that are piling up and I can't find a bookcase for them. Books about um, kind of work. So, you know, the books about kind of like connecting with clients, you know, all, all mm. that stuff, that's quite interesting one. And then mm. books about serial killers. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know why all I have right. so many of them. But I, And how to get away with it or just about it's just, I think it's a psychology. I think it's a psychology of serial killers. Oh, and, uh, and the other one would be um, like a period or classic. classic book. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, when we were growing up, my uh, my grandmother just sat us in front of any Lord Jane Austen and, uh, you know, stuff like My Fair wow. Lady. So I've got a lot of books like that. So quite a range. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. So art, um, uh, connecting with serial clients, killer. serial killers and the classics. Yeah. And, and Girl, Woman, Other as well. My wife has read that. Um, I haven't got around to it yet, but she says it, it's fantastic. So yeah, it's I'm going to move it up up the list okay yeah. good recommendations amazon prime or netflix what are you watching or streaming that's good oh god it's going to be the same answer isn't it it's the same on tv um what am i watching at the moment again so after i watch bridgerton because the duke of pacing yeah. is stunningly beautiful <laughs> man um 
they watch Bridgerton. And I think, yeah, a lot of a lot of the same, really. I mean, my, my boyfriend finds it hilarious because obviously I, I almost exclusively watch trash <laughs> trashy TV. Right. Like, like, right. like RuPaul, RuPaul's Drag Race, obviously, like most other <laughs> young young women or people from the LGBT community absolutely adore that right. show because it's it's just fun and uplifting. I think it's um, okay. it's nice to have some uh, a step away, escapism. you know, cause, yeah, escapism. Yeah, exactly. And I think mm. it, like I say, absolutely love my job and you know I love the agency and stuff. But it's nice to kind of put but your head into something complete. <laughs> yeah, something right. completely different. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. sure. But maybe a little too extreme. <laughs> love it okay really good recommendations in the last three to five years what ideas behaviors or habits have you added or removed from your life that have improved your outcomes I think when I was younger and I think many people will feel this and I think it's actually this is a kind of a cultural shift to agencies is that you know it's very easy for agency people because you know agencies are great they're young and they're exciting you know they're, you know, they're full of some really creative talent that I think one of the things I think that we're also talking about as an industry generally is burnout mm. I think burnout is quite a big issue you know, I think it's very easy I think what I was probably doing a few years ago is just literally just plowing you know plowing through work working long hours and then you know going out and not taking any time to kind of you know, rest and kind of reassess how how I was either mentally or you know or physically um but you can get away with that when you're younger <laughs> you can't you can't get away with that as you get older and I think for me now, as I've also as I've assumed, you know, a more senior position in the business, I think it's important. But like I was saying before, I know I was joking about the escapism with, you know, the books and TV, but I think um, making making much more time for myself mentally, I think has been has been really important because I think, you know, you can end up getting yourself into a situation where you kind of, you know, run yourself into the ground, you pop your head above the parapet and you're like, My God, I didn't even what have I been doing for the last mm. Mm. Then months or whatever you know mm. it's just been like running from pillar to post I think that's definitely a, a big a big thing for me um obviously with the pandemic is, is a little uh, annoying but usually you know one of the things I like to do is you know just get out but it's, it's good to an art gallery for example just get completely away from from something not to sure. be you know agency pub pub agency <laughs> absolutely love it well now now we can get back to some sort of normality (laughs) yeah it feels so good things are opening up again last couple of questions and then I'll let you go what advice would you give to a young person or millennial who wants to start their career in a creative agency or in TP group I would say give it absolutely do it for sure it's like I think you know it's agencies are hard work but they're such exciting places to work I've you know I've worked agency side and client side and I think after I left uh, the e-commerce company I went to work at Periscopic which is now obviously Merkel such an, such an exciting fantastic place to be but I you know then I went client side it's a very very different world client side particularly when you're when you are quite young you know if you're 20 mm. you know 24 25 like I was it, it suits some people but I think agencies you know you can learn a huge amount and the good thing about an agency is that you've got a team of people around you that are all pointed in the same direction mm-hmm. i think that's a really important thing for you know for young people to feel so that so they're they're included and they're working somewhere that's exciting and that people are super enthusiastic and they're really kind of um there's lots of, there's lots of opportunity in an agency as well mm-hmm. you know you get to work on those different client types there's lots of different services for example you that you could be working across um you'll meet a you know a range of a big, really big range of people when you're speaking to client side people and you get I think you actually get a really good understanding of different types of businesses. So, you know, as you get older and you may perhaps you want to start your own business or you wanted to go client side or you want to go to consultancy, I think having that breadth, you know, at a slightly younger age in an agency is, is really mm. valuable. 
Mm, couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, and my final question, Jess, what does you know about client management today that you wish you knew at the very beginning of your career? Well, primarily is that you can have fun. The role of client management is to build a successful and exciting relationship between the two businesses. I think that doesn't have to be you know, boring or stayed. You know, it's like we were saying before, it's not, you know, client services is not maybe not the right terminology, perhaps, you know, it's client engagement, client success. I think if, if you put the right people together and you can build really exciting client and agency teams, I actually wrote an article off the back of something that Mark Ritson wrote um, a while ago about both of them. You know, if you can, you know, the good thing about being in, you know, client engagement is you can, you're at the cold face of actually kind of creating a really exciting, you know, propositional team for, for a client. I think, um, make, like I said before, that plus making yourself open to feedback actually creates a super successful client team, be it with, you know, it's just you and the agency or it's, you know, us, the creative agency, you know, the, you know, above line media agency, um, you know, data agency and the client, you actually can be, um, those can be so exciting. You can create some really exciting work. So probably that one. Hmm. Couldn't agree more. Jess, thank you so much for doing this. I really enjoyed it. No problem. Thank you for having me. This is really fun. We have been speaking with Jess Hodgson. She's currently the Chief Client Officer at TP Group. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to over 130 such conversations we've had with world-class leaders in the agency world. Thank you for all your feedback and suggestions on LinkedIn and email. Write to me at Nathan at agencydealmasters.com. Please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Nathan Annie Barber. We would be unable to do this show without our very own Dealmasters. Sarah Spence is our production assistant. Tyler Baller is our editor. Christoph Boaszczyk is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Dealmasters. What if I told you there was a way that you or your clients could speak directly to a captive audience of senior agency leaders, CEOs and managing directors of some of the biggest agencies in the world? Well, that's what you get when you sponsor the Agency Deal Masters podcast. We have thousands of monthly listeners from all over the world, and it's not just agency owners. Over 25% of our audience are also senior marketing brand leaders from the likes of Aviva, BMW, Salesforce, and Google. As we continue to attract big names to the show like Adobe, Revolut, and Virgin Money, you can be sure that Agency Deal Masters will be the place for you to get your brand's message directly into the ears of the people that you want to be speaking to. So head over to agencydealmasters.com sponsor or email me at nathan at agencydealmasters.com to find out more.